So with, with abuse, what ends up happening is there's denial, right? Mm -hmm. Which we already talked about. Mm -hmm. And that happens in grief too. Um, and first there's denial that there's even an issue, right? Yeah. Then if they will acknowledge that there's finally an issue, then there's justification, right? Well, you shouldn't have made me mad, right? We all, we know those, we know those narratives. Like yeah. you shouldn't have done X. You shouldn't have run from the cops. Maybe mm -hmm. you wouldn't have got shot. Yeah. So there's this justification piece. And what I was finding was that, um, this is what the, the counselors were telling me is that there's whole group thought in white mm -hmm. culture around that justification piece. All right, welcome to another episode of Millennials in Ministry. I'm your host, Erin V. Lashley, and today I'm so privileged to introduce to you Tana Padilla. Um, she is a phenomenal woman of God who is fighting for racial equality and uh, racial reconciliation, especially in the church. She's um, a wife, a mother, um, a student, and also a Be The Bridge group leader, and the things that she's doing um, is really touching my life in a way that I've never experienced before. So I'm really blessed and excited to be able to share her with you guys. And uh, Tana, I just want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit more. And first of all, answer the question, like, how did you get into this work? And why are you so passionate about it? Yeah, well, we'll be here for a while. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. So, so I'm Tana Padilla. And um I'm originally from Iowa, born and raised on a farm, um, Christian home. Um, my family loves the Lord, like breathing air. So, um, and then um, I married into a, a biracial family. Um, and so my husband is half Mexican, um, Dutch and German. And so, um, that was when I kind of, I, that's when I say that I started learning. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that I was learning then. Um, yeah. And it really wasn't until my daughter was, our daughter was born. Um, she was very brown. And so that kind of trying to find books for her and not being able to find books for her uh, with representation. Um, I didn't have language for what I was feeling about her not having, we were in Montana at the time, like her not having a Latino community or mentors who looked like her and knowing that racism was here, but not being able to speak about it. Right. Because white people yeah. don't talk about race. Um, and so that's, that's a very blanketed term. Some, some white people don't talk about race. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in the colorblind era and my family also did not have language to talk about race. So they, so we didn't, um, which is very common. So when I say white people don't talk about race, um, I know that's not every home. Um, and that was just simply because my parents didn't have the tools to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, then having more children and just still having like, a lot of white, so I was just in a white bubble um, in Montana. And then we moved here uh, to Denver. Here is Denver, Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, 
almost eight years ago. Yeah, almost eight. So that was the first time I lived next door to black people. And I was like, and that was right when Brene Brown hit the scene. And so I was reading her stuff and I was working through shame and vulnerability and my thought processes and what are my thought processes and like my stereotypes. So I was writing down, you know, like I'm scared of, you know, when I, when I'm with my neighbor, I'm like nervous and I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is so weird. Why am I nervous? They're nice. You know, like they're, they're wonderful people. Like why, why am I nervous? Yeah. Um, and really being frustrated that I didn't know what to do with all that feeling in my body in the same way that like we've all experienced shame and vulnerability and all of that, but we didn't have language to really wrap around those emotions. Um, so then Latasha Morrison hit the scene, um, in 2015, I believe at a women's conference that I was Mm -hmm. watching online and she, you know, she just hit a home run every time like she always does and so I was like this is what I've been waiting for you know and she had like a checklist which like anyone who knows me knows I love a good checklist and it was like here's step one for white people if you want to do this work and I was like praise the lord and like there's a path because for me I was just kind of like I don't know like Google is too big you know, mm-hmm. it's just too big. So I was confused. I didn't know where to start. And Be the Bridge really gave me um, a path. Mm-hmm. And so then I started devouring all of their resources. Um, yeah. And that has led up to current day. Um, that looked like watching all of their YouTube channel videos. Mm-hmm. That looked like going through their Whiteness 101 PDF, which was like 30 pages long, you know, wow. and that's, I took, I did that um, as my devotional for a while Um, Mm. and just really working through it slow, like not wanting to rush it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, just really, I had to, I had to start practicing right away because I was living next door to people of color. So it was like everything I'm learning, I'm just going to like start practicing right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they came out with like all their units on their Facebook page and you had to take mm-hmm. a three month code of silence. Um, and I think their units page took me over a year to finish. Wow. Um, Cause I'm a mom and I have two kids and yeah. uh, I, I work. And so it took a long time to get through those. And what does the code of silence mean? And, and why do they suggest that? What is that? Yeah, so they do a code of silence, um, partially because when you're starting to learn, um, you'll know what you're talking about. So um, in order to keep it a safe place where people of color's voices can actually be heard, and when I say people of color, I mean all people of color. Latasha Morrison at Be The Bridge does not leave anyone out. That means natives have a voice, uh, island pacificers, Asian uh, transracial adoptees, mixed race people, black, mm. Latino. I mean, like everyone needs to have a safe space where they can use their voice and actually be heard. Mm. And so they have really found that like, if you want to jump into this, you first have to just sit and listen yeah. and learn because as white people, 
we don't know the language. So I talk about it like um, with my white people, I talk about it like if we went into the surgical room, you know, and they're saying all that and we're like, wait, no, but what about this? And, you know, wait, and like they're using language and tools and things that mm -hmm. are scary and we're confused and we want to like ask all these questions and we want to interject and be like, well, what are you doing? Why would you do that? You know, and yeah. the doctor is like, I'm trying to have surgery right now. Like, yeah. can you please be quiet? <laughs> like, yeah. This is, this is not the place for your questions. And yeah. so they really want you to be able to engage in that, but you mm -hmm. have to learn the language. And so mm -hmm. the units and the whiteness 101 PDF, and then the whiteness intensive and their be the bridge groups is really kind of that freshman year, sophomore year, mm -hmm. you know, junior. And then like, oh, okay, now I'm learning these different languages. Um, and I don't mean languages like ethnicity, like Spanish or French, the language that we need to use when discussing racial um, tensions in America mm -hmm. and, the, um, and all that that contains is a whole other language. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they require you to be quiet at first yeah. mm -hmm. so that okay. you can, so that when someone posts, you can follow the thread mm -hmm. and you're just, you're just learning. Gotcha. So, okay. And it's white people aren't used to listening. We're not, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not like a good skill set we have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the fact that you say that is like, wow, you don't hear that often, you know, but tell, tell us more about be the bridge and how that's impacted your life. And even now the churches that you're involved in leading this, the white intensive and, and how that's going. Yeah. You know, so after I took the whiteness intensive, um, uh, some wonderful, fierce black women took a chance on me and another white lady, and um, we started a Be The Bridge group. And that mm -hmm. is a nine-week course, um, which we only met once a month. So it was a mm -hmm. nine month course of working through reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they were my true teachers and still are. Like, they're the ones that call me and check me and are mm -hmm. like, Tana, mm -mm. you know, they're also yeah. the ones that are like, go, go, go. You know, yeah. they're the ones that are like, I'm praying for you. You're doing great. Yeah. You know, they're like my biggest cheerleaders. And they're also like, uh, mm, you're wrong on that. You know, they've been yeah. um, gracious to forgive. Yeah. Um, and they've just been like, they have, I have never experienced Christ, um, except maybe from my parents in the way that I have from these black women mm -hmm. um, who just fought hard for reconciliation. Yeah. Um, and it was messy, you know, um, there were a lot of tears, a lot of uh, repentance um, and just a lot of grace. So, um, and now we just still meet once a month to like, hang out we even yes. on zoom you know we just meet and we check in we go around and it's like how are you and then we pray yes. over them and then we mm -hmm. you know okay now you're next and then we pray and then the next yes. person so 
having those real relationships where now we celebrate birthdays and we, you know, are just in each other's lives for mm -hmm. real. And it's not forced because of like a study that we did. Um, yeah. Like they are my true sisters um, awesome. who they've seen me at my worst and my best, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, tell and them then, the story. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, no, you're fine. I was going to say, tell them the story about when you really felt like, man, this is becoming something that I want to do like with my life and maybe this will be my career. And just that conversation of how they checked you with that, like as far as, um, is it ringing a bell or no? Yeah, just like, um, I'm trying to remember which, what we've talked when about you, so much. Basically, I didn't want to give it away, but basically yeah. when, when they said, um, there we go again, another white woman yeah. crossing off yeah. the backs of Yeah, so people. totally. I mean, I continue to be checked which is always the discipleship piece that none of us love, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, a church, yeah, like a church wanted to bring me on and pay me for the work and time that I would be doing um, to mm -hmm. lead the, and kind of work through the whiteness intensive, which is a 15 week online course with their people. And yeah. And just recognizing, um, you know, that was a full stop for mm -hmm. me. Like I ran into a brick wall um, and I had even been, you know, checking with people of color and asking like, is this okay? And, and it was like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And being frustrated, what ended up happening in my heart is um, some white women sat me down and told me why it was wrong. <laughs> and very graciously um and then they were like why don't you pray about it for two weeks and then come back you know mm -hmm. and so in that two weeks i went through all the emotions <laughs> like mm -hmm. i was angry i was sad i was discouraged i wanted to throw in the towel you know i'm like how do we as white people do this work you know and like, I'm trying to fight for you. And, and like, how do I do that and keep a job and you know, yeah, and where I landed was, and maybe I'm still need to work through this, was that like, my ancestors, and just white people, like our white ancestors have really messed this up for us. Mm. And so where I landed was, it's not fair, but it's right. Mm. And am I willing to do what is right, even if it's not fair? Mm. Um, or what felt not fair to me? Yeah. And like, I described it as if you have two kids, this one's older, so I'm going to put him higher. This one is older and this one's younger. If they're playing a game and they play this game all the time, like, of course, this one is going to win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. this one's yeah. just going to win because they're older. Like, right. and, and if this one never wins, what ends up happening, we all know this, like mm -hmm. their spirit ends up breaking down and they start to absorb and believe that they are bad and wrong. Mm. And they, it shifts their psychological paths. 
that's not the right term. It's, it shifts their, their neuropaths to, to actually believe that they can, that they can win, right? Yeah. They can't. Yeah. And if this one always wins and we're always like, good job, you're doing so good, you know, and we never ever have any other outcome except winning, we also know that outcome, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's arrogance. Yeah. You got a chip on your shoulder. Like there's so many things here. Yeah. And so in, in parenthood, often in order for this one to not lose hope, sometimes we have this one, let this one win. Mm. Right. Is it mm -hmm. fair? No, it's yeah. not fair, but it's right. Yeah. And this one then also learns humility kindness, mm -hmm. gentleness, love, self-control, because he's like, W, you know, WTF like that. I want to <laughs> win. I want to win. You know, yeah. and we're like, no, yeah. that is disrespectful. And you are not taking into consideration where this person is at. Yeah. And so for me, that's what it came down to. Not that, you know, black women or black people or like children. That's not the, that's not the, what I'm saying. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not saying that black people are acting like children. What I'm saying is that it's helpful for me to think about how I parent. Yeah. And what I would want, what I teach my children. And I teach yeah. them that fairness isn't, it's not a real thing. Yeah. But we can do the right thing. Yeah. And so yeah. I had to be like, am I going to do the right thing? Yeah. I feel that so much, Tana. And I, I was thinking about this today when it comes to uh, just racial reconciliation. It takes so much humility to acknowledge sins you yourself may have not committed, but that are represented in the skin that you're in. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's that's what I see in you. That's so beautiful. And, and we'll continue to talk it out in this episode, but you, the humility that you exude, not because you went out and murdered black people or that you specifically said, I hate the white race, but you have the humility to look at yourself and your heart and your soul to see where there might be traces of racism yeah. that are still existent in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. And do whatever it takes to reconcile, be reconciled right. to your brother, man or woman of color. And yep. that's powerful because that's not something that's talked about often in churches, yeah. um, but something that's so desired without being acknowledged, you know? So I just like, I just, that speaks so much loudly to me personally. Um, and I just applaud you for that. Um, but you also mentioned something to me about when you were going through Be the Bridge, it literally took you like a year to admit in yourself that you were racist. Mm -hmm. And that's when you told me that, I was like, wow, you know, like, can you talk a little bit about that and like what you <laughs> learned in Be the Bridge that yeah. awakened you to think, man, I could actually be racist. Yeah, I not actually be, I am for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Lord. I mean, the thing, here's the thing with Be the Bridge. And this is what I tell people, like, God is always doing new things, right? I don't know that Be the Bridge tool will always be the tool that he will be using. Yeah. But he's using it right now. And it's working. 
So that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing that I am like, Lord, I see, I see it. Um, it took a long time because racist for me, and I had to learn the language, right? Mm -hmm. So what I originally thought in my white mind was like, if I was racist, then I'm a white supremacist. I carry mm -hmm. a gun to kill, kill black people you know, um, mm -hmm. and learning that racism is a lot more nuanced than that. Meaning like Christians don't say, well, you know, I'm not a murderer, so I'm good. Mm. Like I'm definitely not a sinner, mm. you know, yeah. and because I don't murder anyone. Like we know mm. that sin is nuanced and it's tricky and it's deceitful and as soon as it's good over here all of a sudden over here it's not good you know and like yeah. it ebbs and flows and all of a sudden we've made a good thing into an idol you know we're just yeah. it's so slippery and so yeah. I didn't know that racism was also that I didn't mm -hmm. know that it moved and ebbed and was deceitful and I just thought it was like murder mm -hmm. you know like that's racist. And that is, and that's also mm -hmm. sinful. We can name it as sin. We can name yeah. murder as sin. But, you know, these other small things is always where God is like, mm, I see you over there. You know, like, and I'm like, no, you don't see anything. <laughs> you know? Um, like, what you, what you talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not true. Look away. Just mm. look away. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think for me, it was a real grieving process. Um, and I actually studied grief after we lost a son. Um, I went to a grief mm -hmm. class cause I was just such a mess appropriately. So, um, wow. and so, and studying grief helped me just kind of settle into it mm -hmm. and allow it to be the mess that it is. Yeah. So when I went through the grief process through the, intensive and the whiteness 101 and you know mm -hmm. practicing shame and vulnerability um yeah. and courage it, it ended up being a grieving process i denied that's the first mm -hmm. step you know and yeah. and and then you justify you know and we see that all over social media right now we see denial we see justification yeah. you yeah. know we see the whole spectrum of grief because mm -hmm. everybody's grieving in some way. Yeah. So everybody's grieving. And, but where are we on the spectrum of grief? And you can look it up. You can look up. I send it to the whiteness 101 or to the mm -hmm. whiteness intensive people that I um, have go through of like, print this out, put it up on your fridge. Like you will go through this cycle, you know, and mm -hmm. even multiple times in your life. So I think by the, I think by the time I got through all of God's, I don't want to say all of it, because I'm still learning and I'm still messing up. Um, but when I went through the process of Be the Bridge, um, I was finally able to say that I was white and recognize what that means in America. And mm -hmm. then I was also able to say that I was racist. And I think that that comes with the same thing of like when a Christian becomes a Christian, they learn to say, I'm a sinner. Mm. And that feels, 
it feels gross in your mouth yeah. when you say that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And we get used to it though. Mm -hmm. And we get used to the language of admitting that we're sinners and that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But that takes a while with saying you're a racist mm -hmm. because you have to learn what that means, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I was telling my dad um, that in the same way that they were like the first ones to talk about sex and body safety. They didn't really talk about body safety rules because they didn't have that language, but they knew to call things what they actually were called. Mm. And saying those words of our body parts is awkward at first, you know, mm -hmm. and them teaching us the names was awkward for them. Yeah. But they knew that if they didn't, we would absorb what the culture is giving us. Yeah. And we, and we would just, you know, we would have petty names for it and, and, and how we think about sex. If we don't talk about it and point in a direction, we just mm -hmm. absorb what's here. So yeah. I absorbed the racist ideas of America because mm -hmm. we didn't have language to point in a different direction. Mm. Yeah. So I totally get that. That took a while for me to admit. So I am so touched by the group that you are leading in the local church where you are in yeah. Denver. And um, I just want you to talk a little bit about um, why you feel like churches aren't talking about racism and why it's important to talk about it in church and just the testimonials that you've seen of racial reconciliation and the group that you've been working with um, and just that experience. Yeah. Um... Well, this church had been hiring, you know, people of color and working on diversity initiatives and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to remember how we even, I think we met through like, he knew him and him, you know, we like, yeah. and they were like, I think you need, I think you might like this whiteness thing that Tana has, you know, um, mm -hmm. that Tana's leading. I, and I, I say that very lightly, like be the bridge really does everything. Mm -hmm. And when I went through the intensive, I did it by myself. And I was like, I need people to process this with, you know, in the same yeah. way with grief, like it's so good to have these things, um, to process these things with people around us. Mm -hmm. So um, we went through a process at this church I feel like you asked three questions of like, why is it important to talk? Why is it important to talk about church? What am I doing in this church? And then um, what was the third just, one? The third one is just the testimonials of how hearts are changing and people. Yeah. Are changing. Um, so I think it's important to talk about it in church. And I think in the same with like talking about sex in church, you know, mm -hmm. that was not done in our grandparents' generation. That's not a real yeah. thing that happened. And yeah. there was a lot of resistance, right? Like, mm -hmm. we don't talk about this. This is very liberal to, to do this. You know, there was yeah. all this, like, defensiveness. Um, but we found that there's a lot of freedom in just speaking mm -hmm. the truth in the church um, yeah. when it comes to sex, when it comes to, um, racism and when mm -hmm. we can name things and wrap language around it, 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 it D not D arms, what, um, it disarms the demonic forces. They don't have mm -hmm. power when we can bring it into the light. And, yeah. 
Um, and so I think it's absolutely essential for churches to start learning this language because otherwise Satan's just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, and the demonic forces will just keep going if we don't pay attention, if mm -hmm. we don't learn the language, and if we refuse to even acknowledge that it's here. Yeah. Right. So like if you, if you don't acknowledge yeah. that human trafficking is a real thing, guess what? It just keeps going. Can, okay, I'm going to interject here, okay? Go. Um, you gave this example um, to me when we were first talking about um, reconciliation, right? And I'll just say it as best as I can because I've been praying about this and like try, like asking the Lord, like help me communicate this well the way that you were showing it to me since we talked. But when it comes to racial reconciliation, when I think of the church and reconciliation period, right? Like, let's say that there's tension in a marriage mm -hmm. um, or there's tension in a family in a church and the church knows about it. Usually the church will advise family counseling or marital counseling. Mm -hmm. And usually when you go to a counselor and you sit down, the first thing you do is ask what happened or what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And that acknowledgement that you're talking about is to acknowledge what actually happened. And what I'm finding, the more people that I talk to, the more that I learn, the more that God does a work in my heart, mm -hmm. and the more that I realize that there are people in church that just don't even really know what happened. And when I say what happened, I'm talking about the historical systematic racism that's been set up in this country and how black and brown people have had to navigate life there's no understanding or concept mm -hmm. or language or even acknowledgement of that right. so then when we go to church we try to be reconciled to one another and then somebody like george floyd or ahmaud Aubrey or brianna taylor pops up and people just get riled up it's because we're trying to be reconciled without acknowledgement and i was even thinking about this like when you gave me that example, I was thinking about even God does not allow us to be reconciled to him without first acknowledging our sin and it's in its totality yep. and being reconciled to God through Jesus, right? Yep. Like, but that takes acknowledgement of sin. And then to think about it like this, once you fully acknowledge the totality of the historical sin of racism in this country, <laughs> how powerful is it for me as a black female with understanding and acknowledgement of the sin of racism in its totality, mm -hmm. I now say, I forgive you. Right. And how powerful is it for white people to say, I acknowledge the totality of sin and racism in this country. I understand that I didn't do anything, but I understand how it affects your people. And in light of that, I'm going to fight for you. And I am sorry for what has happened, but I'm going to fight for your life, meaning I'm going to show up for you. And that may not mean protesting, but they, that may mean I'm just going to be there. I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to make sure that your kids get home safe. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you talk to me like that, it is my sister. I was literally repeating to my sister last night, the stuff that you and I have been talking about. And I was telling her it is literally, she actually said this. It's literally like healing balm to an opened wound on my soul. When we can acknowledge sin, both parties, both groups, and still love each other and be reconciled to each other but there's no reconciliation without acknowledgement of sin and then repentance of it yep yeah i mean 
And that's, so the other thing I say, besides like the marriage analogy is that like, going back to that is there's there. Like when you show it's not like, let's just start fresh. You know, like, we're not going to talk about the past. We're just going to mm -hmm. start. New. And we're like, you're fired. Like, if we're not going to talk about the past, and this is what people of color have been saying, like, to move forward, and you're not willing to learn. You're not willing to learn. And that's mm -hmm. why the three month code of silence. That's why the units. That's why the when it, like, it takes so long, y'all. Um, but we have to have that. And the other the other way I talk about it is, yeah, like when we thinking about a, an abuser, and I've I've talked this out with several um, psychologists and um, therapists and um, my own counselor, just to I was like, is this for you know? There's a couple things that I passed through their filter of um, mm -hmm. wisdom because they're all just like killing it um, and have like multiple master's degrees and things. So I was like, okay, am I thinking about this right? <laughs> so with, with abuse, what ends up happening is there's denial, right? Mm. Which we already talked about. Mm -hmm. And that happens in grief too. Um, and first there's denial that there's even an issue, right? Yeah. Then if they will acknowledge that there's finally an issue, then there's justification, right? Well, you shouldn't have made me mad, right? We all, we know those, we know those narratives. Like yeah. you shouldn't have done X. You shouldn't have run from the cops. Maybe mm. you wouldn't have got shot. Yeah. So there's this justification piece. And what I was finding was that, um, this is what the, the counselors were telling me is that there's whole group thought in white mm. culture around that justification piece mm. and and so we never get past the denial and justification yeah and so to move through the process of grief to come to the place where you accept it yeah to come because that's the final stage in grief where you come to so say you lose someone the mm. final stage is acceptance mm. and and that's the end goal um and so it's really been the the whiteness intensive because it's a 15 week course where you're watching yeah. a video and what the whiteness intensive is, this is the deep dive. So I have people go through a process. So when I went into this church, first I cast vision of where mm -hmm. we headed because we've never seen reconciliation before. So we don't yep. like, I didn't even know it existed this side of heaven. I yeah. assumed that reconciliation with me and Aaron or me and Christina or me and, you know, Lucretia, like mm -hmm. that was only going to happen the other side of heaven. Mm. And so what I do first is go in and cast vision. Cause we have to know where we're going. We have yeah. to know where we're going. Then in order to reach the joy set before us, we have to know that we're going to pick up our cross. And yeah. that 15 week, I mean, I took them through watching the documentary 13th and we had mm -hmm. a viewing and then wow. I created discussion questions and we sat around and discussed it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we went through the whiteness 101 PDF and we sat around mm -hmm. and discussed that they got two months to do that. 
And then the intent, whoever is still ready to keep going, <laughs> you know, if you're like still in it, I'm well, we won't drop out of class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, then they go into the um, intensive and it's every week you're watching a video and it goes through first learning. Okay. When we say this, here's what we mean. That's class mm -hmm. number one, definitions and terms is class mm -hmm. number one. When we say this, we're not saying this, we're saying these things. Yeah. And so then it goes into a whole class and it's, a, they're about one to two hour classes. So you're in class mm -hmm. every week. Wow. And it goes through white fragility. What is that? Mm -hmm. What, how does that manifest itself in my body? Wow. And then the great part is, is you have a whole week to, to watch yourself do that, to watch wow. yourself be fragile. And it's like, this mirror is, is, uh, ugly. I don't like yeah. it, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. but we have to start with the man in the mirror. Thank you, Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, or the log in our own eye. Yeah. If we're yeah. going to, if we're going to talk Jesus talk. So, <laughs> When, when you go through white fragility, white culture and socialization, white privilege, and then what they do is they go back mm -hmm. and they take you through history starting in the 1400s and they wow. go century by century to see how has white supremacy and racism shape-shifted and been wow. denied and to stare at it in the face, it like to stare at it head on and yeah. face it, you know, by the end, when you bring it up to present day, because it's brought up to present day, yeah, um, you really then see the systemic things that wow. have been here since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because racism, when we first got here in the 1400s, we meaning Europeans, did, um, you know, racism hadn't, it wasn't developed yet. That's not a real thing. Racism was not in the Bible. That's, mm -hmm. it was ethnic hatred. And that was mm -hmm. not based on skin color. It, it was yeah. the, it was the Sumerians. Yeah. It right. wasn't, it wasn't those brown people. It was, right. it, no, Sumerians. Right or Gentiles and Jews type thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we have to talk about, we have to be careful as Christians that we're saying the truth. We yeah. have to say the truth. So racism, you can read about it in the history of white people by Nell yeah. Irving. I think it's Nell Irving. Um, you know, and it was constructed in the 16 and 1700s. And so, mm -hmm. or if you want to watch a documentary, uh, race, the power of illusion um, is a good mm -hmm. first one to watch on that. But, um, you know, going through that week after week, you really do gain all those tools and language. And, and what really ends up happening is mm -hmm. the veil becomes off. Wow. And walking people through that grief, that anger, the sadness, yeah. um, the the shame even yeah. you know yeah. of of waking up to what our whiteness means and mm -hmm. how much weight that 
carries in America and that when we walk out the door, we have the ability to abuse. Mm. And now I walk out the door knowing that I'm an abuser mm. or that I have the opportunity to abuse because the system works for me. Yeah. So I cry wolf. I'm good. Mm. And so the, the unveiling of that is, is very, it's just grievous. I don't have an, I, I mean, the yeah. only thing I have is grief. Um, and then you, you okay. have joy because you're mm -hmm. like, I, the truth sets us free. So there's yeah. always joy when we can see it and name it and speak it. And then wow. we're like, I'm set free. Yeah. Like one yeah. of the ladies in the, in the intensive described it as sitting at the eye doctor and finally getting to the right prescription. Yeah. Cause she could finally see. Mm. Tana, like how have you found that your day-to-day -day life that you live differently now, like learning all of this and like, thinking differently like knowing the truth and all of that like even the way you relate to other people of color um from your perspective like I know that this is so connected to your heart like your heart beats for this to see this in church to see racial reconciliation um but how is your life different like how are you living your life different that you have seen <laughs> um there's no way really that it's not different um I mean I parent my kids different Mm -hmm. Um, I treat my husband different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that has, that has been hard, you know, to, um, discuss the ways in which race affects him mm -hmm. as a mixed race man and the anxiety and the tension and the things that he does or doesn't do because of the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those were things I learned to ask because I didn't know. And we'd been married like almost a decade by the time I had started this work. So, wow. um, you know, when people are like, oh, well, I have black people and brown people at my table. I'm like, man, I was going to bed with him. Like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about because <laughs> I just, How much closer can you get? Like, I'm having <laughs> babies with him, you know? Like, I don't know what you're saying. So... I can't do that. I mean, oh, so, so it's just kind of like, you know, learning to be vulnerable with him in those ways and ask yeah. him hard questions and, and being understanding that, um, he may not want to talk about it today because it's mm -hmm. heavy or uncomfortable. Um, you know, and I talk about it with people like, because it's the same. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing that white people haven't done. White people have not, we understand trauma. We've mm -hmm. like studied it and we go to counseling because we're like, oh man, I got in a car wreck. I'm going to counseling. I got trauma, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and we do. Um, mm -hmm. But what we have not done is we have not put trauma and racism in the same bucket. Mm. And so, yep. and so, when we're asking someone to share their experience, that's, I put it in the same category of me saying, me knowing that you were sexually molested as a child and me saying, can you just tell me about that? Wow. Like, I 
I should not do that. Yeah. That is unacceptable on every level for me to mm. ask people to relive their trauma for my mm. understanding. Wow. That is not okay. And I think about it. I, I tell my white people, if people who had been sexually abused had a mark on their face and we just went up to them because we're like, oh, I see you've been sexually abused. Why don't you tell me so I can learn? Mm. We would never do that. But yeah. we do that to people of color. We ask mm -hmm. them to t teach us from their trauma instead of yeah. saying, you know what, maybe I should Google. Maybe I should learn what it means to be a friend who hasn't been sexually molested to someone who I know who has. Yeah. So what does it mean for me as a white person to learn what does it mean to be white and be friends with people of color? Yeah. So the ways that I walk out my door and the ways I interact with my family now, one, I had to, I had to renew my mind. So instead of, I live around black people and even in movies now, when I see a black person in the stereotype with, you know, a do-rag, which I, yeah. I had to Google, I was like, okay, what is a do-rag? Why do they wear it? How do you spell it? What does it do? Like, yeah. why, why is this a thing? Yeah. Learning that was so joyful. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You know? Yeah. And because we're not in close enough relationships, we don't get to find out those things, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. when I was renewing my mind, every time I saw a black man or woman, I made myself say image bearer. Mm -hmm. Every time. Image bearer, image bearer, image bearer. And I just re- trained my mind over years to say image bearer instead of thug, gangster, scary, mm -hmm. angry, you know, whatever stereotype that I had absorbed from mm -hmm. my American culture, yeah. which was racist, I needed to dismantle it with the Holy Spirit of practicing image bearer, image bearer, image bearer yeah. everywhere. And it took a lot of time and I think the other way that I engage with people of color is like, I know what my people have done mm. and are doing mm. currently. Yeah. And their distrust of me is okay. So mm. I don't expect trust. I don't expect to be welcomed. I don't expect to be asked to come over to their homes. I do mm. not expect, um, I actually expect distrust. I expect wow. them to be cautious. I expect to have to earn the right to be called their friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's how I lean in. Like I don't, yeah. and I know that my friends of color wear a mask all the time. Um, yeah. And, the time. and try to be as white as possible so they don't die. But I know that because I've studied so much history. Mm. But wow. I did not study history from the ways that we learned it in school. Yeah. I studied history by actually reading MLK, Frederick yeah. Douglass, Rosa Parks, but reading their words about them, not what white people said about them. What are their Jeez. own words? I mean, when people say, like, this is where I get, like, Go for it. I just, I'm like, when, when people say stuff about Jesus and they've never read the Bible, I'm like, come on, you know, yeah. like, and, or they have stuff to say about the church, but they don't, 
they don't really try or attend. Yeah. I'm like, yep. So if, if you, if you're going to say stuff about MLK, have you read his book? Mm. Did you even know that he wrote a book? Did you know he wrote, I think he wrote four books. Mm. Yeah. Did you know Rosa Parks wrote her own story and Malcolm Mm. X did? And the lady that lives 25 minutes from me, who was part of Little Rock Nine and desegregated the school, she wrote her own story. And I read it. And reading people's own narratives, Mm -hmm. learning from, you know, reading the, one of my favorites was the, um, my undocumented American dream. It was written by a Latina lady who was brought here as a child. So she was illegal and she made it onto Wall Street. Wow. And she talks about her journey and the anxiety and the panic attacks and mm-hmm. all the things that she, she went through because she was undocumented. Yeah. And I did not know that my brothers and sisters who were undocumented, the amount of stress that they are carrying, I was yeah. like, what have I been, yeah. what have I been doing? You know? Yeah. And so really listening to that actual people who spoke those words just like Mm -hmm. Jesus we have to actually go to the word yeah and read what he said not what people say about him yep you told me something that like I'm like where who are you Tana like you told me that when you see a black man being pulled over you stop every time Mm -hmm. every time you pull you pull up and you make your presence known and you have your phone out and you record because it's important to you that black men make it home safe for me to hear you say that. I'm like, because honestly, I don't even feel like I'm safe to do that. You're not, you're not safe. Exactly. You're not, you shouldn't do that because your voice isn't going to be heard. Right. Yep, and mine still won't be as heard as much as a white man. Mm, yeah, but I'm still white, so right. And I don't but stop then, just for men; I stop for women too. All black, yeah, all black men and women. Just, to, just to clarify that too. Yep. Um, I just appreciated that so much because that's what I'm talking about: racial reconciliation. Like that's what I'm talking about because we've moved away from oh, I serve with you at church and I have black friends and like I, we had kids play dates together and we went like, to we school together. together and like we feel like we're good, but we really don't get it to the point where we're willing to put ourselves at risk for each other. You know what I mean? And like, honestly, meeting you, um, literally, I was like, whoa, I know a lot of really great white people and I love them, but I've never met a white person that fights for me like you do. And not even just me, but like the people who I represent, you know what I mean? And like, that's what I feel like we're missing is like black people. It is, we almost have to live in a state of forgiveness in order to survive. Like I'm, I have to live in a state, whether my heart is there yet or not, or God has done a work or not. I literally have to live in that mentality in order to interact with you so that my life is safe. But when white people enter that willingly and then fight for you because you are really my brother in the Lord, Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother level of like, 
really being reconciled to each other. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Whether you've committed the sins or not, that just speaks volumes, honestly. Like it literally is a representation of the work of God in somebody's heart when there are actionable things that people do to fight for each other, right? And again, mm -hmm. that's why it makes it so powerful when black people knowing what white people have done can forgive and when white people knowing what they have done can fight for black lives mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that is just mm -hmm. come on you know what i, I mean? mean like i mean i hope there's a day that i don't have to stop you know yeah like yeah and my kids you know they've seen a lot and i have to have those discussions because and what i say to them is have you ever seen this happen to white people mm -hmm. Do you see white people on the side of the road getting searched? No. And until mm -hmm. that's happening, we're going to keep stopping to make sure mm -hmm. that they're okay. You know, and like my kids witnessed it. We were trying to go for a walk together, you know, me and my kids, just me and them. I was like, let's just go for a walk. I just need some space. Yeah. And we, I, I have even left my phone at home, you know? Yeah. And I don't get all up in the cop's face. Like, I don't get right there. Like, I was yeah. across the street. I mm -hmm. positioned myself so I could see what was going on in case yeah. I needed to be a witness. And what they did was horrific. Mm. And I, I talked to my kids the whole time through. Okay, do you see what they're doing now? Okay, do you see this? Do you see this? Okay, what should be acceptable? What is mm. happening? And, you know, and, and, talking them through not all cops are bad you know we don't know anything yeah. that's going on here we don't yeah. know if they have a reason to pull them over we don't know mm -hmm. our goal the only reason we're here is to bear witness and to mm -hmm. make sure that even if there is a shooting we know what went down yeah, yeah. and i do none of this work like i do it all scared i'm scared mm -hmm. 24 7. You know, mm -hmm. when I, when we were at the protest and the tear gas, like running towards the tear gas, like I forced myself to run into the fear, you know, because I'm, the system works for me. So yeah. police are not going to punch me in the face. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen to white women. Yeah. Um, and so can I stand in between the police and black people um, so that to protect them, you know? And so, but talking to my kids about that, when we stop for black people, because right now this is how it is. So I'm yeah. not going to play games. I'm not going to play yeah. games with white supremacy. It's not what I do. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to stare evil in the face and we're going to watch and we're going to bear witness. And if that means I go to jail or that means I have to go to court and I have to quit my job or tell my boss, I can't be there. That's what I do because that's what I get to do mm. because I have a little bit more of a of an advantage of being mm -hmm. a, even though I'm female so that's still there's still like one level up like where I wish I was a white male because mm -hmm. then my voice is believed mm -hmm. and so white women you know we we still can show up in this way yeah, yeah. and I just I'm sick and tired of Satan wrecking havoc on yeah. our brothers and sisters of color by using this system. And so, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like each time I do it, I get a little bit more braver. Um, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but I do it all scared. Um, even, even this, you know, like I'm like, I wore a tank top cause I'm sweating, you know, like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's hard because it takes practice and, and, you know, I know that because I know my history, I know the backlash MLK Mm -hmm. has a whole chapter in his book on backlash Mm -hmm. and specifically he calls it white backlash. Mm So I know the white backlash that comes when you speak out about this because I've learned about it. I know yeah. what it looks like. Um, but I just, I just refuse to let Satan gain another inch if it's in, if it's around me. Because <laughs> like, like, nope, that isn't there a new song about that? Like, not today, Satan. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, let the devil know not today. Yeah, yeah, mm, it's not gonna Hannah, happen. What would you, what would you say to somebody that? wants to just take the next step you know like there's I feel like there's a group of Christians that Lord do a work in my heart is their prayer and their cry Mm -hmm. but there's no practical resources that they are aware of or tools and things like that that they can take the next step to really have healthy conversation in their circles of friends and with themselves like what would you encourage people to do um first of all do not go to your friends of color and ask them about their trauma. Don't do that. Um, what I would say to do is you have to have the longevity of this in mind. So Mm -hmm. just like sin, we will always be learning about it. We will always be looking to Jesus and we will always be working on our sin. So I I consider racism a sin. So I'm always going to be working on it. Because Mm -hmm. the air around me, and same with materialism, right? Like we Mm -hmm. have to be consciously checking ourselves with materialism because we live in America. Like, that's just a real thing as like, if, unless you're, unless you're poor. Um, So if you're not poor, then the materialism and the sin of that, we have to constantly be checking. So, um, but I would say, this is where I tell everybody to start because this is where I started. Um, or, and it was like a pivotal moment for me. Um, and so that's what we do when we disciple people. We're like, you got to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a Netflix documentary called 13th Mm -hmm. and that's step number one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I tell people go do the whiteness 101 PDF. I think it's called bridge builder 101. And if you just go to Mm -hmm. bridge builder and go to the shop, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's like $10. Yeah. Um, and, and work through that. Mm-hmm. But also, like, here's the thing, because I wanted to know the truth, and I wanted to set me free. Mm-hmm. I put myself on because I like a checklist. So mm-hmm. I was like, every month for, for the next year, I'm going to read one book, listen to one podcast, watch one documentary and read one article Mm. on, on this, not by a white person. Yeah. And so I forced myself to do that. And part, a lot of that came from the units in the, be the bridge because they have like podcasts, documentaries, books. And so I was like, okay, I just got to put myself on a schedule, you know? Um, And it helped me stay the course. So sometimes it was like, I'm just going to read 10 pages a day in this book until I get through, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, and typically I can get, 
it used to be five pages. Typically I can get 10 pages in, even if I'm like in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like, yeah. Or I, I have started and, and people know this about me now. Like I carry books in my backpack now because if mm -hmm. I'm at, if I'm waiting for the kids to get out of school or whatever, and I learned this from Tally Flint, shout out to Tally Flint, you know, she was always reading in her car, waiting for her kids. And I was like, mm -hmm aha, I see you. Like that's yeah. how you get it in. And so I started carrying my book that I was currently going through in my backpack because there's all sorts of time where I could have popped on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to renew my mind, you know? Wow. So the units and be the bridge, I just started checking them off, you know, and wow. they have a YouTube channel with, and they had like 150 videos at the time. So I just started like, when I'm washing my dishes, I would put on that you know, yeah. or even like, sometimes it was like I was doing laundry and I would have the YouTube channel on and I would just yeah. go through their sermons. And some of them are only five minutes, you know, mm -hmm. and just yeah. working through that. But I think 13th, the whiteness 101 PDF and the units, but I don't think that these two are on there. Okay. And after and I would do this in this order. I would do thirteenth. These are all these are all on Netflix. Then I would do Khalif Browder. I haven't even seen that. And then I would do When They See Us. Mm, yeah. And the reason I put them in that order, partially due, due to my experience, but thirteenth really informs you about Khalif Browder. Okay. And Khalif Browder really informs you about some of the stuff that happened in the when they see us mm. and so because i had only been listening to white narratives about black peoples and brown peoples and natives and asians issues um i really had to be i really had to renew my mind and so i talk about it like that the scripture of be transformed by the renewing of your mind so yeah. that you can prove, you can prove the good wow. and acceptable and pleasing will of God. But if mm -hmm. I never listen to native voices or their podcasts, did you even know that they have podcasts? Do you know mm -hmm. about the Supreme Court cases that they have right now that they're fighting for? Do wow. we know the burdens of our native and Asian and Latino and black, you know, black often gets elevated to the top. Yeah, I agree with that. And natives like are never, natives yeah. are, are always at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, but I, really good, I think that that's where I would start. And then if people want to yeah. go further, they go to the intensive. Mm. And then they can get a Be The Bridge group, which is a mixed group of people run by people of color because white people cannot, the abuser cannot tell the abused when we are reconciled. We can't do that. So that is up to people of color to lead that. And we mm -hmm. have to sit and, and say, we will do anything for your healing. Mm -hmm. And, and if you, so, so then you do be the bridge groups and work through that nine week session. Um, mm -hmm or nine month or whatever you do. Um, but that's run by people of color. <laughs> Why are you doing it? I'm just like, I'm just 
I just thank God, like, you know, when you have prayers, like when all of this stuff happened, I, my prayer was like, God, I want to do an episode about racism and like everything that is happening in the world. But I wanted to be with somebody white because I, I need people that I know, look at me playing with this. I need people that I know to hear this from the white perspective. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I want people to see that this can be talked about without being skirted around between a black person and a white person mm -hmm. in full disclosure mm -hmm. without hatred mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, like animosity because the work has been done. And granted, nobody, we're not arrived. And I'm not saying that mm -mm. we're perfect or anything, but I'm just saying like, I want people to see that racial reconciliation is possible. Mm -hmm. And when God introduced me to you, I was like, this is the person, this is the conversation. It is possible. It is possible in church without trying to like beat around the bush and like, mm -hmm. well, we can talk about it under these words, but not actually what right. it is. And nobody wants to call it what it is. You know what I right. mean? And nobody wants to talk about what actually happened. But like with you, there's just like such a freedom that I'm experiencing um, that I never have before. And it's like hopeful, you know what I mean? And so many people have been sending me message after message after message on Facebook and Instagram, calling, texting, whatever, telling me that they're getting it and that they are actively like letting God do a work in their heart, whatever that means for them. That goes for people of color and for white people, you know what I mean? So um, I just thank you and I applaud you for the work that you're doing and you're so encouraging to me. Um, and I, I really believe that reconciliation in the church is possible. I I've seen opposite of that. You know, I've literally seen a black man get fired in a church because he was talking too much about racism and they felt that it was causing division. Yep. So we can't have division when in actuality, as I look back on it, he was really just shedding light on the division that was already there. Right. He was not creating division. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because we are He so was naming the abuse. A hundred percent. And because we're so sensitive, we can't give language and talk about it. We're actually, we're actually keeping ourselves locked up. Like there's so much freedom and liberation that can happen if we are willing to claim things and name things as they are and do the work and let the work, let God do a work in our hearts as people yeah. of color. That I looks mean, like forgiveness. And white people, yeah. that looks like owning up to what you did and fighting for your brother. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, because we have to, I mean, it's so bizarre to me because, of course, because Jesus is so cool, like, yeah. we have all the tools as Christians. So we know about generational sin. You know, yeah. we know about generational sin. Like, mm -hmm. and we have the tools to break it. We, yeah. we literally have the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. like, I don't have to say, well, I never did anything. Because I yeah. know generationally that, like, my ancestors were also quiet. Mm. Mm. And, and so it just continued. They were quiet about human trafficking. They were quiet about, you know, uh, black lives. They were quiet mm -hmm. about immigrants. They were quiet about refugees. Like, and so it just perpetuated. Yeah. And, and so an evil runs rampant when, when Christians are not at the forefront, praying on their knees with all of heaven's angels, 
begging for oppression to be lifted and actually then not just sitting in our rooms behind our computer mm -hmm. saying, I'm praying. No, yeah. no, no. You better be out because we're the hands. Of, if we're the hands and feet of Jesus, then we got to start breaking these Come systems. Come on. Like we yep. cannot just pray and hope and like, well, you know, we're supposed to obey the government. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, well, the government, the, the police, the systems, and even in my work in church place, like I, I need to ask my pastor, when are you going to start talking about this? Mm. And if he says, oh, that's political, peace, yep. peace out. Because yeah. this is, when we say political, this is what I've learned. I did not know this. Mm. But when we say political, we need as white people to replace that with people. Because mm. political means people. And mm. typically laws do not affect. Like I remember, yeah. I remember cognitively thinking, why do we vote? Because no law ever does anything to me. I remember thinking that as a kid. Wow. I was confused because no law that was ever put in place ever affected my parents. And yeah. so I was confused by it. And that is mostly true, <laughs> you know, which is why people with COVID, white people with COVID, like don't know what to do with the government telling them what to do because they're not used to that. Whereas black people are like, we've been told what to do since we got here. <laughs> yep. You know, like we know yep. how to just like, okay, this is what we're doing. Here yeah. we go. And we can't, we can't scream in police's faces because we get tear gas or rubber bullets. Yeah. So, um, or real bullets, let's yeah. be real or arrested yeah. or thrown in jail. You know, white yeah. people can literally walk up to cops with their machine guns and scream in their faces and nothing yeah. happens. Black mm -hmm. people walk up with a cardboard sign saying, yeah. don't shoot me. And they get shot, you know? Yeah. Um, so if we're going to really be serious about this work as Christians, first we have to get educated so that Satan does not keep deceiving us because yeah. we have been deceived. I did not know I was racist. I mm -hmm. did not have language for it. And I had been deceived. There's no wow. other way to put it. Yeah. And when we're deceived, we just deny and justify and all the things. Yeah. And so we have to get smart. We have to get creative. There's a path that Latasha and the people at Be The Bridge have created, and it's working. Yeah. You guys are with, I don't even know how many people are on here or who will watch yeah. this. It's working. Erin yeah. and I, we have talked, what, four times on the phone? Yeah. We've yeah. talked four times on the phone. Yeah. We're in different states. Yeah. We are already reconciled. Yeah. I, like, 100%. we're already, we, we can, we're, we're like, run it, run it, run. You and know, we're, we're, we're together in yes. this mission. Yeah. Like doing the same thing. Yeah. Like the forgiveness has been done. Mm -hmm. And now we work to see this in church, like the body of Christ together, yes. step by step. But that can't happen until we reconcile. Like, right. And I mean that figuratively black and white yeah. people of color and white. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, it's powerful. Yeah. And I mean, that happens in those be the bridge groups. And it's really beautiful, you know, yeah. because you take it from you learn all this history to now we're sitting like this. 
Yeah. And we're talking about your story and we're talking about my story and we are, we're in the counseling room. Yeah. Together with the counselor who is Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're together then because we've done our separate work. Yeah. And we're safe people. Like, that's awesome. I get so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Tana, I want to close in prayer and I would love it if you could pray for us and then um, I'll finish off with a prayer too. And then we'll, we'll close off. God, we just thank you that you are so cool. You're just so cool. We thank you that you gave us all the tools that we need. And we just needed to start listening to our brothers and sisters of color to lead us in reconciliation. Mm. And God, it is a mess out here in America. It is a mess. And it has been. And you've seen it. You've watched it for centuries. You've watched us try to do it on our own. Try to do it separately. Um, try to be together post-desegregation. And we're still a mess. So, mm-hmm. God, we pray that your counselor, the Holy Spirit, would take us to counseling. We pray that we would lay down our pride, um, which is not fun, God, but we know that you refine us Mm -hmm. and you do it for your glory. You do it for wellness, for wholeness. You have come for freedom. You do it for freedom. And white people, we don't, we didn't know that we weren't free, actually. Mm. We didn't know. So we, I repent of the decades that I spent not knowing, not listening, denying, justifying, turning away from my brothers and sisters of color and their burdens and not, I was not fulfilling the law of Christ. I was not carrying their burdens with them. Mm. So I ask for forgiveness. I pray that you would help me as I continue to learn because there's, and I keep messing up and having to apologize. And I pray for the white church and the black church and the Latino church and the Filipino and Asian and Korean and Island Pacificers and natives. God, we pray that you would do a miracle of yes. reconciliation between Latinos and blacks, between Latinos and natives, between natives and Asians, between all of us with each other. Yes, God. There's so much pain here. So we ask that you go before us and come up behind us. And we pray in the spiritual realms, God, we know that this fight is not against flesh and blood. So we take authority in Jesus' name against the oppressive forces in our nation. 
Yes. May we gain language and tools and resources and be discipled in this work. Yes. For the sake of freedom and truth and love and salvation. May it not be fair, but may it be right. May it be biblical. Yes. I pray over Erin as she continues to slay, as she continues to fight the demonic forces, as she continues to learn who she is as a Christ follower and as a black woman in America. And what does that mean? And, and even in her city, what does that mean? Because that's different in my city. So I pray that you alone would guide her, but I also pray that you would put flesh and blood on and bring mentors, allies, yes, God. people who can guide her. I pray that you would protect her from white supremacy, not just in her mind and spirit, but in her body mm. and for her dad and mom and sister and cousins and friends who are black, keep them safe from systemic racism, from white supremacy. We pray it. We speak it out, knowing that you are everywhere. And so I thank you for my sister. Thank you for bringing us together that we can be warriors for your kingdom, God, with the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. May we always speak truth, and God keep us from evil and our lips from speaking lies. In Jesus' name. And God, I just thank you for, um, God, I'm just so grateful. Like, Thank you for hope, God, for my people, Lord. Thank you for uh, just comforting us in this time, God, that we're so painful and it's so hard and we feel like giving up and we feel like it's impossible and we feel like white people will never understand and we feel like we just want to stop dying and we feel like people don't get us and we feel like we have to keep trying to tell people why we it's okay for us to live. God, but you are showing me that this is possible. That it is possible to be reconciled to you and to your, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We don't have to treat it like we can claim it what it is and still be loving. We can claim it what it is and forgive just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus was able to unjustly be killed for our sins. Yes. God, we understand that you have enabled us by the Holy Spirit to forgive where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But we also know that you acknowledge the pain that we're walking in and you will deliver us, Lord. That you will not allow us to just sit in pain. But there is freedom and there is hope in the word of God, Lord. So thank you for liberating us. Thank you for Tana and the work that she's doing. Thank you for protecting her heart, Lord, keeping her focused and fixated on what is the work that she's doing, Father, in the white race and in the black race. Thank you for the picture of hope that she is for people of color, that it is possible to be reconciled to white people that get it, that are in denial of it, that you don't have to convince them. God, thank you for Tana living in truth, being fully, fully devoted to the Lord fully devoted to Jesus, 
and claiming scent for what it is and staring it right at the face and saying that you will not have my soul, my heart, or my brothers and sisters of color. So God, we thank you that we come together and we fight this fight and we we run this race. And we Lord, we believe that racial reconciliation in the church is possible. And we thank you for what is to come from this and so many more conversations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> like I'm fired freaking up. Here we go. Amen. Into the day. Man, well, Tana, I'm going to end this before it cuts us off because it'll, the hour long thing will happen, but I just thank you so much for your time, your heart, your testimony, your story, like, thank you. And, um, like, he he has done it. I mean, I know that I've been the dance partner, but like, you know, he, he has been doing it. So he gets, he gets all the glory. Yes. Shalom. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye friend.